Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming service. Today, I'm sitting down with the co-founders of the 9 to 5 Misfits and Misfit Communications, Pavi Dinamane and Nami Surer. Without further ado, let's start the show. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey. I'm really excited about the two young women I have with me here today. I have Pavi Dinamani and Nami Surer, and they have a company called Misfit Communications, which was actually born out of a YouTube channel that they had called 9 to 5 Misfit. And They've got a really incredible, interesting story and journey and are wonderful role models. So thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Melinda. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Pavi, let's start with you. You moved to the U.S. from Dubai to go to school. Is that correct? When you were 17, right? So how did you find that transition after growing up, I think you said, in a traditional Indian household? How did you find that moving to the States? Uh, honestly, everyone expected to be like, oh, was it a shock? You know, you came from a very traditional household, but it was sort of the opposite because I moved to College Station and <laughs> it was a very small town from moving from Dubai. And I was like, wait, what is this? This is so small. There's such few people. It was a good transition because I wasn't overwhelmed by a lot of people noticing that I was different or I, I looked different. I talked different. But over time, finding other engineers who were going through the same thing, because a lot of them were introverts, and I kind of related to them. That really helped with the transition. But it was definitely a reverse uh, culture shock from Dubai, where everything is so fancy. and Small town, Texas, no, no one's fancy here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, and yeah, just being different, looking different, it was uh, a start, for sure. And Nami, you moved here, I guess, when you were 12? Yeah. And how was that for me? You moved from India, is that correct? Yep. So I moved in the 90s uh, from very, very hot to Bombay to the dead of winter uh, to Cleveland, Ohio when I was 12. And yeah, that was a, to say it was a culture shock is an understatement. It was, yeah, it was quite a culture shock. Um, So it took me a few years to kind of assimilate to American culture and everything. But yeah, eventually I think um, I also moved to Canada for my undergrad. So that kind of also helped ease the transition a bit too. So yeah. I think that it's interesting that you all, because of course, so much of what you talk about in with your YouTube channel and sort of the why behind that is really feeling like your misfits when you actually were out of work. So I want to talk a little bit about that because Pavi, you were an, a chemical engineer <laughs> turned <laughs> now video production specialist, um, which is obviously another one of those crazy transitions. So how did you actually get there? I mean, so you're this chemical engineer, obviously you went to school for engineering, you had a job in oil and gas, and then what happened? Yeah, I know. My parents ask me all the time, what did we do wrong? How did you get there? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I worked as an engineer for about eight years. I I don't think I ever regrouped to ask myself, is this what I want to do? I was good at it, but I didn't go through that 
self growth thing. And when I got laid off in 2016, I finally stopped it to think like, what is it that I missed? What's it that I didn't do right or well? And one of the things was I actually missed people interaction. And that was something as an engineer, I didn't have to, I never had the opportunity to go through that. There were days I would go into work and people didn't even know I was there because I would just go country numbers come out. And my after work life was way more fun because I meet people and you know that's when I realized wait I'm not an introvert I do like people I do like the energy of people around me so and it was really timely because Nami quit her job at the same time so then we decided like hey we've been good friends we should do something together and because we had this commonality we'd never been in the same life situation at the same time like when she was single I was dating when I was getting married she was like dating so it was just like it was so different even when like I had a steady job she was in school and when I was out of a job she was like I like my job so it was just it was always we were in a different phase but this was the first time we're like everything just kind of came together so we're like let's do something about it and um, we started making YouTube videos and our channel was born uh, where we started talking about unemployment and how it's a stigma in our community. You don't talk about it. Uh, there's no easy way out of it. People just kind of hide out and then they, they just rise above the ashes once they get that job, but they never talk about what it was they went through emotionally, physically, financially. In that process, even when we were making videos, we kind of fit into our own roles where Nami, because she is like the creative, she's a dreamer, she like does a lot of research in general. She started writing because she always enjoyed it. I didn't really have a place. So I was like, hey, we both know how to communicate on camera, but I kind of fit into the role of let me just edit and do the shooting because someone has to do it. And we obviously are not rich and balling enough to (laughs) hire someone to do it. So my role was being anything that was production and post-production, which sort of fit into my engineering side where it's like, I do like to be behind the scenes a lot of times. And that's how I got here. And I think we just got good at making videos, good at being in front of the camera, making people feel comfortable that our video branding company was born. And um, we still do the same thing where Nami does a therapy style call with the client, talks to them, makes them feel good. And I shoot and edit and do everything behind the scenes. That's awesome. And Nami, you actually quit your job, right? So when you guys were starting this and doing this video, obviously you're out of work. Were you actually looking for other jobs at the time? Were you sort of trying to figure out what you want to do and just doing this on the side? What was the process? Actually, I was really primed at this point for entrepreneurship because I'd quit multiple jobs before that. I think for me, I've always listened to my gut. So you finally figured I've quit enough jobs. I better do something on my own. (laughs) So I had actually, I used to work in oil and gas as a supply chain analyst following my MBA. And, you know, throughout my life, I'd kind of tried to fit myself into these boxes. And when I was at my post MBA job, I realized that I just, I'm not destined to be in one of those boxes. It just doesn't work for me. So I had quit that job, which brought me to Austin to work for a social media startup. So oil and gas supply chain to a social media startup. (laughs) I know. In this day and age, though, you can do that. And especially in that social media, that realm, because, you know, it really is still relatively new. My generation, we're still hobbling along trying to figure (laughs) it out. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it was really interesting because, yeah, exactly. My sister had gotten into social media right when it was starting to actually become a job. So she used to keep telling me that, hey, I don't know why you're doing supply chain. You're not a supply chain person at all. Just own your strengths. Do something you're good at. 
And so when I quit my supply chain job, it took me actually nine months to get to that Austin job because, you know, I did, I went through a whole self-development phase where I got a life coach. I read up on everything ever just to understand, okay, what is my why, right? Why do I want to do what I want to do next? And how do I not get myself in the same situation that I'm in now where I'm just running from a job I hate? And so I was in Austin for about six months at this job that completely just kicked my butt because I had gone from a corporate background to working at an agency and never done any creative work before. Even though I was good at it, it was a completely new way of working. So that really kicked my butt. And that really sort of taught me what my skills were and what my passion was. So when Pavi said that, hey, I got laid off, it was a no-brainer for me because I was primed by that point to actually say, okay, now I'm ready to be an entrepreneur and take the biggest leap ever because I'd taken all these small leaps before that. So So when you started doing the YouTube show, I mean, was that the entrepreneurial idea or were you just trying to sort of figure out what the entrepreneurial idea was and you fell into doing this just sort of as your own therapy, as your own catharsis? Yeah, I think for us, um, well, for one, we'd always had such a good rapport with each other. I mean, we'd been such good friends for a while. So every time we were, you know, not to like, brag but people would always be like oh you guys are so fun together you're the life of the party and anytime we were together with another group of friends they'd be like you should just have your own show you guys are so entertaining to watch (laughs) and because I was working at an agency that social media bug was already sort of in my head and I think Pavi and I were sitting around talking about how you know so many people we knew were getting laid off at the same time as her and we were like you know doesn't it suck that no one actually talks about this openly and so I just said hey how about we just start a YouTube channel to talk about our journey and see where that takes us. And Pavi's, like she said, I'm the dreamer, she's the doer. So I knew that telling Pavi this idea would be good because she'd execute on it. Whereas if I just sat around being like, yeah, it'll happen one day. So that's kind of how it happened. And we always went into it knowing that this is not going to be a way to monetize. I mean, you can't make that much of ad revenue on YouTube. So it was always, this is a way to rebuild our personal brand from scratch because we're going from, you know, corporate world to something completely different in our our 30s. So it's really hard to start from scratch. The best way is to start on YouTube and tell your story. At what point do you all know that, oh my gosh, wait a minute, this is a company that we can do for other people. We've actually, I mean, did you just sort of you know, YouTube your way into an actual company. When did you know that you needed to do that? Um, I think this was one of the things, one of those moments, you know, like when you say, what was your entrepreneurial win? This was one of our wins because you're right. We were running, doing our videos just because we wanted to share our story. We wanted to change our brand from being, my identity was being an engineer forever. And I didn't want that to come across, even if I was looking for a different job or if I wanted to move sectors. But While making our videos, our first client actually came up to us and said, I've seen y'all's videos and I see that you have like built something without like going to school, no film school, none of that background. And when this client came up to us and we didn't know pricing, we didn't have a legal, like we hadn't built a company, we hadn't done anything. And we're like, wait, we didn't even 
tried to do business development and somebody came up to us. This is so strange. I think we realized at that point that that's actually validating enough for us to know that this is a real thing that we're not viral because we don't do makeup or talk about like sexy things, but we're viral-ish because for someone to recognize that you built your company or you built this skill set from scratch at age 30 after doing something else, it just shows resilience and, you know, your persistence to be good at something. Um, Yeah, so our first client is when we were like, wait, we need to consider this as an actual revenue source and uh, something to build because I don't think it was just because we made videos. It's because the way we shared our stories made ourselves look like heroes, even though we were losers, we didn't have a job. So that thing really struck a chord with a lot of people. Well, and I think that you, you've mentioned it a couple of times just about, um, and I was watching the videos that you've got on your website, which are super cute, but it really talks about both of you actually talk about the hours that you spent learning. I mean, even book learning and reading everything you could about branding. I want to talk a little bit about that because I think sometimes there's this sense out there that everybody, you know, how you hear, oh, everybody's a life coach. Everybody's a branding expert. Everyone's a marketing, you know, everyone's a YouTube star. You, you know, you see this and then, you know, you get in and a lot of times they don't have experience. So I love the way that you all really made that commitment. And it seems like both of you did that. So can you talk a little bit about that? I think for Nami, I know that, you know, for her, she's always been a reader and researcher. She'll obviously go into her, how she got into this. But for me, because I've been in engineering where it was very much you learn something and then you put that to use right away. Not knowing about video production made me very nervous. And that's since that's the technical side of things, I was not ready to go into it without knowing what I was doing. So a lot of homework, watching other people's videos, watching YouTube videos about YouTube videos uh, was part of the homework. And just keeping an open mind about like where people are getting their equipment from and talking to any photographer, asking him basic questions, things that school would have taught you. But since you don't have the opportunity to go to school again, you just kind of learn as you go. So it's like a real life film school thing that I went deep into that. And I think for being in front of the camera, because we just in general are good communicators, we somehow never felt shy in front of the camera. Like we just sort of always went for it because that's exactly what we are off camera too. Like we're always like ah, and bright and crazy. So it didn't seem difficult to be in front of the camera. And of course we did our research on how you're supposed to look into the camera and when you shouldn't. But for me, the learning was a lot of production stuff, which I'm still learning as I go. It's never, obviously never ending, but especially since you, we didn't go to school for that, but it's just keeping an open mind for me. I think the hardest part for us was to learn the technical side because that was something that we absolutely had no idea about. Um, With the rest of it, I think for me, I had always been an immense knowledge junkie and like a self-development junkie to the point where it's actually an addiction. That's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I like I bought so many courses and just a lot about like, okay, when I, when I wanted to learn about how to become an entrepreneur, I went and I had already been following this guy called Ramit Sethi for a long time. So I bought his course on Call Zero to Launch on how to become an entrepreneur. Because again, we didn't have anyone in our network who is an entrepreneur and we didn't have the support necessarily because nobody understood what we were doing or why. So we had to teach ourselves everything, whether it was our actual craft or stuff about business or even just 
how to find a mentor, everything. So all those soft things are what I took on. And then just things like how to turn your YouTube channel into a career. I found an expert there, so I bought his course. So it's just a lot of buying of courses. And then also just reading a lot. And I think lately I kind of go through phases where once I'm like, okay, right now I want to learn about negotiation. So I'll read up a bunch of books about negotiation and then tell Pavi that, hey, these are the things we need to do. So I give her the Cliff's Notes version of everything. Well, so you talk about your tapping into your superpowers and what advice do you give your clients about how to tap into their superpower during their video, you know, to come across? Because you know, you've got all different kinds of, of clients and businesses and, and how do you sort of get them to have a great video? I feel like this is such an actual problem, which, you know, video marketing companies are out there. But one thing that I feel like we bring to the table is we literally help someone feel like that they are the hero of their story. Because a lot of people don't even know their story. When they do put their story out there, they make it very, hey, I went to school, I did this, I've worked in these companies, I've, you know, crushed these many projects, and this is how I did this, and this is how many clients, and blah, blah. Like, they forget that, you know, empathy, emotion, those are important values that got you here. So when I tell people my story, my story is not just, hey, I'm a chemical engineer. I decided to build a YouTube channel and produce videos. I have to talk about the fails because that's what got me here. It pushed me here. The fact that I got laid off and the fact that it affected my psyche and affected my identity and I could notice that I wasn't that person anymore, that gave me the push to be here. It was not just like a little jump, jump, jump. We help people see that because when we talk to them, we ask them every question. It's it's almost like a therapy session. It's sort of intrusive because we ask them like, hey, what was your defining moment? What got you here? What do you think was your biggest fail? Because those things do affect you and a lot of times they don't realize that because they'll be like wait do we have to talk about this but you're like yeah you you do and now I mean, you can talk about our realtor video that we just did that's that's a good example of that right yeah i think uh what Pavi said you know a lot of times people yeah people feel like they have to put on a certain you know like play a certain part right for for the rest of the world and we I think value authenticity so much because we know that that's what got us here and that's what people value that's the way that the trend is going with video you stuff that's more authentic sells these days so yeah we had a realtor recently whom we made a video for and because he knew us personally he said that you know from the start he was like I suck on camera I could never do this I'm a huge introvert this and that so we it took a bit of like you know, us talking him through the process and saying, hey, we will direct you, we'll like reassuring him. Even on the day off, he was so nervous. So we had to talk him through, we had to really work with him. But we kept assuring him that, you know, we're going to make you look good, but you also have to be your real authentic self. So the way we do that is we kind of prompt people, we'll ask them certain questions on camera, we'll make them feel like rock stars just because, you know, we are vulnerable ourselves. So we're like, hey, you're awesome. I think the the key is just relationship building to get that level of comfort with them and then just, yeah, tell their story. Well, I think it's, it is hard. I mean, the, in the, the social media world that we live in, because oftentimes it feels like, I mean, I, and, and I find it's now people almost going the other way, but it feels like everybody's so perfect and their lives are perfect and look at all their successes. You see all that, or you see somebody who just all they do is talk about their failure. And I'm sort of like, okay, isn't there any in between here? It's just as inauthentic. You've seen those, right? Where you go, oh my God, come on. You know? Every success story, you know, 
there's a lot of times failure is what got them there. That's why you're right. We don't like, we're not going to talk about a realtor or a person who's had like, okay, I've been divorced. I've lost a parent, blah, blah, blah. Like that's not all that we're going to talk about. We talk about your story with relevance to your career and why that got you here. So we, we have, um, we did a video for an executive coach and she coaches women in executive roles. And we were talking about her story and she is like best on paper, right? She is a Yale and Harvard grad. She's done like all this amazing work. We were like, you know, that's good, but how do we get you to relate? And she was talking about when she had like a study abroad program, she was sexually harassed in Africa when she went to do her program. She said like, that's the moment where she realized that, you know, she's going to dedicate her life's like work to helping women. And this was way before she decided to be an executive coach. But we were like, you got to tell that story. Like, I know it's a little like shameful, but you have to tell that because that's part of why you became so gung-ho about this. So we try to tease out your story and whether it's failures or pluses, but it related to your career and that's relevant because that's when you're relatable. That's when you see your person's drive or passion and you feel like you're a hero at that point. So what is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur and what's your least favorite thing? Least favorite thing is definitely having that patience. You have to be so patient about everything because there is no set formula for this, which is why it makes it equally amazing when you have wins because you've waited more than anyone else in the world to get this. But I think building that thick skin, it's been tough because I come from a background where I was always in a comfortable job. So for me to build that thick skin has taken forever. Yeah, I think for me, it was interesting because I was, I just got this question recently where someone asked me, how do you know when to quit? And it's so interesting because when I worked at nine to five jobs, I would quit jobs all the time because the minute I got the smallest inkling of, or not smallest, but I would listen to my gut a lot. And my gut would always be right on message when it was time to leave a job. When I was like, I'm not growing here, blah, blah, blah. It's different when you have a business because yeah, it's your baby. So you know, it's equally rewarding when something good happens where you're like, I made this happen. I birthed this. <laughs> like, this is this is a result of my work. But at the same time, yeah, it's really hard to know when to walk away because it's your baby. So yeah, it's harder to listen to your gut or know. And I think that that is true. The things that you love the most, the best things about being an entrepreneur are also the things that challenge you the most and are hardest and the things that keep you in a pool on the floor sometimes. And I think that just figuring out, you know, what that equilibrium, how do you keep things steady? But it is a roller coaster ride, which I think is probably, the, you know, the biggest challenge, at least for me, is just the, the way up and the way down. Um, it's hard. It's hard to deal with emotionally and, you know, mentally. Well, I'd love to know just as we kind of close up here, what advice would you give to young women? I mean, there's all this research out there that millennial women are unhappy and unhappy in their jobs. They feel like they're not advancing and and moving ahead. Is, Is there a piece of advice that you could give to young women who sort of are feeling stuck? Where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The biggest one, and, you know, Nami and I talk about this pretty much all the time is believing in yourself. And, you know, we've been taught as women to always be doubtful to because you're like, are you sure you don't want to ruffle any feathers? You have a ton of imposter syndrome because you're not being, you've never been taught to think that you could just be right. And that believing in yourself comes from 
not just, you know, reading up about things. It's about surrounding yourself with people who believe in you. And that's our biggest reward now as entrepreneurs, because we have created something where we have a mentor, we have a tribe that believes in us and tells us we're doing the right thing. I would think for women to go for it and believe in themselves, even when people are going to tell them no, because that's sort of how we're taught to think that maybe I'm wrong, maybe I shouldn't do this. That's my biggest uh, piece of advice. And I would say that, you know, when we first started out, um, I think the sad reality is that you have to look a little harder to find the women who are at the top of their game in your field, just because if you look at any list of top you know, top people in marketing or top people in blah, blah, blah. It's always like a barrage of men. And then there'll be one woman that you can yeah pick out on that list. And so I'm not saying that the men haven't earned, you know, all the accolades, but it's just that they tend to somehow get a lot more coverage, a lot more PR, and they tend to promote each other a lot more. So if you listen to any of the podcasts or see any of these lists, it's always them promoting each other. So I didn't know when I first started out that there were even a lot of women who were doing good work. And, you know, when you deal with men, it's a different mentality, right? And if that is the case, then be prepared to to not doubt yourself and not compare yourself and say, well, they're doing this. Should I be type A and should I be aggressive and blah, blah. If that's not you, don't try to fit yourself into that. And if you feel more comfortable, you want to find you know, power women in your category, go find them, do a little more homework and take the time to surround yourself with, you know, a mixed crowd, I would say. Yes, I swear I did not pay her to say this, but that is our course. Our whole why behind On The Dot is providing relatable role models for women because Mm -hmm. we've had Austin Woman Magazine for 16 years. So we've had that here in Austin where we've been able to tell the stories of these female role models. And when I learned that one of the biggest issues facing women's advancement was the lack of access to relatable role models, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's just stupid because there are women out there like you guys doing incredible things and there are great role models. We just only see the very tippy top or we see the celebrities or the men. So um, anyway, that's our why behind on the dot every day. We feature a woman to watch. And now, of course, we're doing this podcast. So I just thank you guys so much for being on because it, it really is important to have these role models for women. And you all are two wonderful role models. So can you just um, quickly tell us where we can find you um, both on YouTube and your website if you're looking to do a video? Our YouTube is the nine to five misfits. So nine and five are the the numbers. So that's the nine to five misfits. And if you're looking for video help, we're at misfitcommunications.com. Great. And we'll have all those links, of course, in the podcast links. But I just want to thank you all so much for joining us today on On The Spot. Really appreciate it. And excited to see uh, what you guys do next. Thank you so much. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass babe you were meant to be. Tune in next Thursday when we sit down with founder and owner of a global business consulting and coaching company, Boomtank.com, and host of the Boomtank Business Show podcast, Carolyn Cole. Are you subscribed to our daily podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot? Search and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you stream your favorite pods. We are focused on your success, and we want to provide you with the tools you need to succeed to get out there and be the boss babe you were always meant to be.